Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm glad to be with you guys this morning. And I'm excited about what God is doing in us as a people. And what he's doing all throughout his church across the world. I think it's, it's really exciting. I think there's a lot of things stirring in his people. And yet in the midst of all of those amazing things, there are some real battles going on. Some hard life. Some serious trauma. Loss and disappointment and suffering. And I, I want to kind of speak to that this morning. Because what do we do in that place? In the place of hard, in the place of confusion and pain. And then how do we still partner with Holy Spirit in all the amazing things that are being released on the earth? Because sometimes that is the struggle of Christian life, is to stand in a place where you are facing all kinds of hard things that beg for you to partner with the, with a lie that says God is not good. And how do you, how do you reconcile that in yourself when you come to worship the God of the universe that you think you could do something about this and you're not, but I want to be, I want to trust you. And that's like, that's like a hard place. Anybody been there? Yeah. Anybody there right now? Can I get an amen? A few weeks ago, I kept coming back to the same passage of scripture. And it's both challenged me and encouraged me. And it's a passage of scripture where a bunch of Jesus's followers leave him over something he says. But in order to fully take in what's happening, I want us to look at the passage and it's familiar, but like we're going to have to look at the context of the whole chapter and it's wild y'all. You should read your Bible. So we're going to look at John chapter six. And there is so much going on. And so I just want to let you know that we're going to just be reading some word this morning. Now I'll set up, I'll set up a little bit of it for you. So we don't have to read all 70 verses. We're only going to read like 50 of them. So I'll give you the first 20 in a nutshell. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. 5,000 people are following him and they find themselves hungry and Jesus tells his disciples, you feed them. And they're like, not going to happen. We can't even work for five years to make enough money for that. And they end up feeding 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch that had five loaves and two fish. So after this miracle, naturally, people are looking for Jesus. All right. So they are like, like they have just been fed and they're like, that was awesome. That was super cool. Where is this dude? All right. And so they find him the next morning. And this is what Jesus's response is. We are going to start in verse 26 of John chapter six. Jesus replied, 
I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Now, Jesus is setting up something important. Before we even get to the passage that I really wanted to speak on, we got to understand Jesus is saying it right here. I'm not talking about anything physical. I'm telling you, pursue the kingdom of God. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? I love, I love these passages of scripture because it just strikes me as funny all the time. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you to believe in the one he has sent. So they answered, show us a miraculous sign. If you want us to believe in you, what can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. These are the people who have just essentially had bread from heaven, okay? You know, can I just pause for a second? Can I just state and remind you that Jesus is not your personal vending machine? And it will do us well to remember that because these people are just like, do something for me, do something for me. What can you do? Can you do this? I want to be fed. I want these things. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's talking about himself here. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Bless him, Lord. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up on that last day. For it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus? Son of Joseph, we know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? They don't know the Christmas story. But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. 
as it is written in the scriptures. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the father and learns from him comes to me. And I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread of heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living father who sent me in the same way. Anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but they will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, and many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend into heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. And then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. So this is very interesting. When you read the whole context, you just see, like, John is such a poetic writer in the way he ties everything. And I'm just like, this is just the bread chapter. I love it. I love bread. And, uh, and Jesus has said over and over, I am the bread that comes from heaven. He has said over and over, I'm talking to you in the spirit. I'm talking about spirit. I'm giving you spirit and truth. But all of the religious alarms are going off. What in the world is he talking about? So after, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God.
You know, what what Jesus is saying here in this passage is hard and it's confusing and it's even shocking. And I don't even want to pretend like I wouldn't be one of the ones that would desert him on this. They don't, they don't know, they don't know what's coming. What do you mean? Eat flesh and drink blood. Like I'm out. Is this some kind of weird cult? We got weird. I'm out. But see, he's not calling people to cannibalism. He's giving them the gospel. He's giving them something spiritual. If you are looking at this strictly from the physical, you are thinking he is, he is starting a cannibalistic cult right now. We're going to eat this dude. But when you recognize that what he's saying is, I am the bread that came down from heaven and I'm giving my life. He is saying the living word is here and you can take it. You can take it all in through faith. He's saying, my life can be yours if you believe. He's saying, I am the answer to your longing and I can satisfy you in a way that far surpasses just your physical body. But they missed it. Their Messiah, the one they had been waiting for for hundreds of years, was standing in front of them. And all they wanted was a physical miracle and a message that was easy to swallow. And they missed the gospel. And you know, sometimes in our journeys of faith, we're not so different. When things are hard, when Jesus doesn't do what we ask or think he should, when we get offended or we get caught off guard by life, we have a choice. Will we respond by giving up, by pulling back and distancing ourselves from God and others, or will we stay? If you truly know Jesus... If you've encountered him, you will stay because where else could you possibly go? If you have tasted and seen that he is good, then you will choose it every time, but you have to know him. If you're going to choose him in the hard, you have to know him. If you're going to, if you're going to look at life and say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when someone dies unexpectedly? What am I going to do when the cancer returns? What am I going to do when someone is completely enveloped in hopelessness? What are you going to do when you're with your people that you love on the worst days of their life? What are you going to do? What are we going to do in the middle of trauma? We have to know Jesus so that we can say, where else would I go? But if we don't know he's good, if we don't believe him, if we do not know his character, it's easy to just say, I'm out, God, because this shouldn't be this way. This is super unfair. And I think it's those moments in our life that are defining. It's not all of the amazing life is so good moments that shape us. Have you ever noticed that? I think that's why all throughout the word of God, if you read it, 
I, I did this whole study this week on suffering. I'm not going to go into all of it because I don't have time. Maybe it'll be another message. But when suffering is mentioned, it's always partnering with joy and thankfulness in the word of God. And so be very thankful when you run into troubles. And you know, it doesn't ever say if it says when, because we live in a messed up world and we're going to have heartache. We are going to, we are going to face some unfair things. We are going to see some jacked up people do bad stuff. And we are going to experience loss that has no sense that happened for no reason. But in those moments when we say, where else would I go? But you, Jesus, there is something forged in our spirit and our life that is more precious than gold. And that doesn't mean it's pretty. You know, I think, I, I think to this passage, I, I always wish that there was like a more detail, you know, I'm like, I want to know what people's faces were saying, you know, when Jesus is like saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm like, I'm, I'm sure like people are like, fix your face. You look horrified. Um, and I, and I just have to think, I mean, Peter, Peter stands up and says, where else would we go? But it's not because that was an easy message for them to swallow either. I think they are listening to that and they're feeling just as confused and overwhelmed and like, are we really going to do this? (laughs) It's not that it's just like, cool, Jesus said it. And so he's good and we're on the train. And sometimes I think that's how we make Christian life. When we read, be joyful in affliction. When we read, be thankful in every circumstance. When we read about how suffering, we should be giving thanks because it's producing amazing things in us, right? We, we, we sometimes don't get the full picture and we just think that means, okay, all this stuff has happened, but I'm just going to say, you know what? God is good and I am not letting it affect me. That is called stuffing or denial, And don't do that. Your faith and your connection with Jesus is not supposed to be some fake face that you put on in the middle of hard. It might be messy. It might be raw. There might be some conversations with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, a few weeks ago, like, I just can't hide it. Sometimes my my worship, I, I love Jesus so much. I just... So this scripture a few weeks ago is just coming back to me. It it was just like, where else would I go? Where else would I go? And I was losing my mind up here, y'all. I was ugly crying. If you were here a few weeks ago, you probably saw it everywhere. All the nasty, right? Because I'm going, God, what in the world? What in the actual world is going on right now? And I am crying because of the pain in my heart, because of watching people be crushed by life and the enemy because of loss that is unfair. 
But you know what? Jesus can take all of it. He loves that raw, like, Jesus, I will give it to you. I don't know what is happening. I don't know how to help. I have zero control in any of this. But I will worship you because you're good. Because you are larger than some vending machine where I put in my human effort and you release a miracle. That's not the way the kingdom works. It's not. But there's something that happened in my messy worship a few weeks ago where I just stood. You know, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, I just stood and said, I will not be moved. I will not be shaken because I know who you are. This is hard. Everything in me wants to just pull away, give you the silent treatment for a little while. But when I come down to it, Jesus, where else would I go? I have no choice but to just be with you because even in the middle of all the brokenness, You are God and you are good. And I know that I know that you redeem. That you heal. That you're working all things together for the good of those who love you. We have to know Jesus. That's the only way you're going to get to the point. What was the difference between all these other disciples and the twelve? The 12 had personally been with Jesus. A lot of the other disciples, they had followed, they had heard, they were intrigued. They liked hearing all the messages. They liked all the fruit of the miracles. They liked eating bread from heaven. But the 12 had been up next to Jesus. Where Peter could say, You have the words that give eternal life and we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. I believe the 12 were hearing beyond the physical. I'm sure that the physical aspect of eating flesh and drinking blood was getting their attention, but they had learned how to understand the spirit when Jesus was teaching. And we have to do the same thing. And there's something powerful when we worship. There's something powerful when we grow close to Jesus. And one special way you can do that is just by being in the word. If you don't know the character of God, read his word. Man, the Psalms are so powerful. When you think about the Psalms, if you've ever read them, this is a great place to start with um, just kind of seeing who God is, but also how worship is. Because the Psalms are raw and they're messy and they're hard. And I think about just, um, just how, how interesting it is that so many of the Psalms will start out with complaining, mourning, confusion, desperation, like just straight out pleas to Jesus. But you will hear a shift in them a lot of times because it's in the middle of their worship and in the middle of crying out to the Lord and talking about all this bad stuff, you remember who you're talking to. And when you know who you're talking to, then suddenly you're like, but you're so good. You're so good, right? Listen to this one. Oh Lord, how long? 
Will you forget me forever? Anybody been there? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love and I will rejoice because you have rescued me and I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I mean, you can just go through all the Psalms and you can just see it like, just like the lamenting. You can see just the, you know, how long are you going to forget us (laughs) forever? But almost always there's a shift because some, somewhere in that conversation and your worship, you remember who, who you're talking to and it captures your heart again. This is the, I'm speaking to the God of the universe. I'm speaking to the one who's rescued me from the pit of hell. I'm speaking to the one who's healed my body. I'm speaking to the one who's been so good and faithful in the midst of every trial before now. I'm speaking to the one who has sustained me. And I start remembering that and then I say, you'll do it again. You'll do it again. Where else could I go but you, Jesus? Where else could I go? And when you find yourself in this place, a response is required. Your response can just be ignoring to respond, and that can be your response. But a response will be required in every place of hard, in every trial you go through, in in all of the confusion, in all of the questioning. It's will you stay? Will you stay connected to Jesus or will you pull away? We're going to respond with a response today. Sometimes we don't do this. Today is a different day. Listen to this response from Psalm 27. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. So we're going to respond because I think, I think the Lord really wants to, to meet some of you. We're early, so you're good. We have time to respond. 
I think Jesus wants to just show up and radically wreck your heart today in the best way. Because all of the other things that have totally wrecked you recently don't have to have the last say. Man, I saw in worship, I just saw this picture of of like a river and it was oil. It was a river of oil. And I was on fire and I stepped in. And it was like my heart was just like fire heart in this river. And I just thought, I, I just thought, how good is it that Lord the Lord is just like, yeah, just bring your dumpster fire life and get in the river. Because all the things that are burning, that are hurting so bad, you bring them to the presence of Jesus. To the oil of his presence. And somehow that ignites something spiritual in you because it's the way he works through our suffering. And I just, I just get the sense, like the Lord is just saying, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Will your heart respond by saying, Lord, I am coming. Will you respond? Listen, it doesn't have to be pretty. It could be super messy up here today, and I love it. But let's respond. Let's let Jesus touch those places that maybe we've just been like, Hiding, like I'm trying to keep it together, but I'm really angry. I'm trying to keep it together, but I'm really disappointed. I'm trying to be marked with joy, but I am being crushed. Would you be willing to come to Jesus this morning and just say, here it is. I'm mad at you. I'm disappointed. I wanted it to be different. I don't know what's going on. But as you're remembering who you're pouring your heart out to, can you come to the place that says, but I will trust in your unfailing love because where else would I go but you? So if that's you in the house this morning, I encourage you to come up. We can all come up. I don't care how this works. But I know that Jesus is in the house and he wants to do something special. So while I pray, you guys can just kind of flood up here. I think this is one of those, one of those messages that just requires us to have a physical response. I think it's just good to just say, okay, God, you've said come to me and I'm coming And so uh, you can just come up here. I'm going to pray. And then I'll kind of just come down and pray for some of you individually as well. And we'll just give Holy Spirit a little bit of space and time. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Even in the midst of all the heartache, in the midst of the battles, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the confusion, Lord, I thank you for releasing your presence 
in this room in a way that repairs our hearts, where we can come to you and lay it all down and recognize your goodness. God, I pray right now that you would begin to just release waves of refreshing and healing over every person in this room, that you would show up with your presence and your love, that you would remind us of your unfailing love. Maybe we've forgotten. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of being crushed and weighted down, that's when you are the nearest. Your, your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed in spirit. And so when we're in that place, ah, oh, you're so close. So thank you for your nearness. Right now, God, I pray that you would just reveal your presence. Show us where you've been in this place of hard. I believe Jesus is just going to show you where, where has he been? Just kind of close your eyes and be open to that. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you are our ever-present help in time of need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just encourage you. I know it starts getting awkward. Keep just pressing in. What that means is we're just going to stay for a little bit longer to say, okay, God, we're really here for you and we're really listening and we really love you. Maybe, maybe your heart after you're just kind of pouring out stuff turns to worship. Just let worship kind of flow from your heart where you're like, you really are good. Where you really make the declaration, where else would I go? Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we'll be people that just respond to say, we're coming. We've heard you say, come and talk with me. And our hearts will say, we are coming. Where else would we go? Thank you, God, for every person that's standing in this room that's just being forged in fire. For your spirit being there with them. For you working in the waiting or in the furnace. (laughs) or in the nothingness that you have not abandoned your people to our suffering. You have not abandoned us to our heartache. Thank you for releasing truth into our heart. And Jesus, thank you for the rain at the response time because that is just epic. And I pray right now that the sound of that rain, that that would just be exactly what is happening in our spirits, just a refreshing of God's just spirit rain washing over us and filling us. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your peace that carries us through the chaos. Thank you for going before us and behind us, for hemming us in. I declare blessing on every heart in the house, and I declare right now that you will have a heart that can hear God. Lord, awaken our spirits so that we are responsive people in the good, the bad, and the ugly, that we would always respond towards you and not away from you. And thank you, Lord, for just maybe rewiring some of us that have chosen to be far, that this morning is a new day where we say, okay, God, I will trust in your unfailing love, even though I don't feel it. I will trust that you are good. I will trust that you are working for my good. Thank you for realigning hearts in their faith to be towards you because you are for us. You are for your people. And we'll rest in that truth today, that you have not abandoned us and you are still working for us. In Jesus' name. I want you guys to be able to still stay up here. We're we're not like totally done, but we're done. If you need prayer, our leaders will be available. If you're up here and you've been responding and you just want somebody to agree in prayer over you, let's do that.
but don't rush out of here. See, there's something powerful about just staying in the presence of the Lord. If he's stirring your heart and you're not done, don't leave. If you need to stay up here to just respond to Jesus, just stay up here. We'll leave this music on. Jesus has the beautiful background of the rain happening for us. And we'll take our conversations and all of those things out of the sanctuary if you're done. But don't leave here without prayer. Don't leave here without absolutely getting to the bottom of it when you feel like, if you still feel like there's a little bit more that you need, stay here. If you feel like, whew, I'm good, I got it. Have a great week.